Welcome to For the Lover Dog with Dennis Wolf. Hello, Friday came again. It does that every week. Isn't that crazy? Well, today, guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about people in dog parks. Now, I happen to have two patients who are whose owners are good friends, and we have a dilemma. You know, I have always thought there as a kid, you know, gee, there should be an animal named a dilemma because so many people are on its horns. Well, what happens is we go to dog parks, we go to big fields, we go to places where there's no rules. Okay, so think of getting like we talked about last week with Lord of the Flies. Well, think about dogs as followers until there's no leader, like children. If very, very permissive parents have a kid who's a little bit on the tough side, that child needs to have more rules than perhaps another child that the same two parents uh, fathered and mothered. So what we have to do is think about how do dogs behave? How do dogs think? What do dogs think? So when you go to a dog park and you open the, you know, whole little double cage there, like I call it the catch pen, you open this little double cage thing, and all of a sudden, with your little double cage thing, everything starts at that spot. So what happens is you go in with your dog. Let's say your dog is a bully. Let's say your dog goes in and another dog comes up to smell him. Now you're in a little tiny area, or he is just at the entrance of a rather precipitous and difficult situation because now he's got maybe 5, 10, 15, who knows, 20 dogs who are all there and rushing the gate. So that is not the good start. How many of you think that that's where the problems begin? Guess what? You're wrong. The problem began because most likely the people started out their drive before they even started to go or their walk before they started to go by saying, hey, you want to go to the park? You want to go play? And now you get them all excited. And they're like, yay! And now they get to the park and they're all amped up so that when they walk into the park, they're already raring to go. You have to, I call it, suck the fun out of it. Kind of like, you know, you say to your parents or you say to a spouse, please stop raining on my parade. Well, you've got to be the big, giant, scary rain cloud. Because if you don't teach the dogs that there are rules all the way up from the very beginning to the very end, you are teaching him that he's in charge. Now, if you have the most stable, wonderful dog in the entire universe, like I have a bunch of those, they don't feel the need to have to fight. They don't feel the need to have to get out in front. They don't feel that burning desire to be the boss because they just want to go play and have fun. So it's a very important part of being a good dog owner and, you know, pet parent is making sure that your dogs have good, nice, consistent, easygoing rules, not crazy, not, you know, oh, my God, you're going to do this and that and, you know, sitting down and da-da-da-da-da, because that's not what dogs need. What dogs need is nice, gentle rules. So what does that mean? How can you have nice, gentle rules? Hey, Janice, that, that's like a weird, I don't get it. What could nice, gentle rules mean? Well, nice, gentle rules means that they are consistent, but they're not difficult. So we don't want to give the dogs 
thousands of rules. We don't want to have to make them sit, make them lie down, or leave it. Up, off, down, go, come, now, no, yes, sit. And you confuse the living daylights out of your dog. Stop doing that. Work on the behavior. Because if you saw your worst enemy walking down the street and I said to you, hey, you know, sit down. Here's the cookie. You want a cookie? You would not. You'd look at me like, what are you, out of your mind? Why do, you, why do I need to sit? Because that's the same thing as with obedience. Obedience is not bad. There's nothing wrong with obedience. If you have a perfect, you know, or real good, well-behaved dog, you can teach it to do obedience, and you can make it do party tricks, whatever your heart desires. But most of you who listen to my show do not have those dogs. And if you do, it's because you've been listening to my show long enough and implementing the behavioral strategies. Now, personally, I never would go to a dog park. Ever, ever, ever. Because there's too many germs and there's even if no dogs are there. It's just a, a festering mess of parvo and canine influenza and and bacterial infections and strep and staph and all kinds of coccidia and giardia and all kinds of grossness. You're walking on the same ground or your dog is and running around and laying down in the same ground that dogs are urinating and defecating. There's fleas and ticks. It's just not always a really great place. If you are going to go, then it's more important for you to walk your dog properly to go there, let him out calmly, and then work from there. See, but if you're going to try basically to show up at a dog park and here's your dog and your dog is, you know, running around like a crazy man, and you're starting that way, you're going to be more likely to have either your dog get into a fight or another person's dog get into a fight. There's too much excitement. Excitement leads to dominant behaviors, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. What are some of the dominant behaviors, you may ask? Okay, dogs who are humping each other. Oh, it's so cute. And the one very lovely uh, family who is probably listening to the show right now, they are going to understand this is for you guys. When you start out without rules or when you start out with very limited rules and your dog is all amped up before he even goes to play, he doesn't need that. He needs to have rules. He needs to have something set. He needs to have consistency. And not telling him, oh, sit or lie down or cut it out or knock it off. And not yelling at them and not using a shock collar, not using a prong collar, not using a choker chain. You need to make sure that the dog understands that from the very moment that you think about going out, that he is to be calm. So when he sees the other dogs, he's not getting all amped up and crazy. Because otherwise, that's what happens. Your dogs go bonkers. So if they're happy to play with their buddies, Take some phone numbers down or text people who you know who frequent dog parks. And instead of having a situation where, you know, you are basically, you know, out of control, your dog is out of control, you can take those same dogs, go out for a walk. If you have your dog on a gentle leader head collar, that's fine. But it's not the gadget. It's not the device. It's the energy that the owner has or the handler has. So, Let's just say for a moment you're going to a big ball field and there are not a lot of other dogs there and you're going to go play with a couple of other dogs. 
if your dog is having an issue before he even gets there, potentially, because he's already amped up, then go for a short walk with the people and the dogs who are going to be playing in the dog park. So you can you can go up there, have your dog on the outside, and just say, hey, you know, you want to go for a little walk, and you'll get one or two of your buddies. You walk around together, and then all three of you can go in together to the dog park, if that's where you want to be, and you can kind of stave off any problems because your dog has now learned the rule that, oh, I have to follow and I have to be good and I can't just be a jerk. Um, I have to be listening. And it sets them up that they're working. Basically, that's all it does. It teaches them that they're following you because you're in charge, because you're the parent. So you're doing the all the great work, and you're providing and protecting, and you're taking care of your dog. So what happens is if you don't do that, then you let the dog in. You let it. You have to take the leash off in the little catch pen. Otherwise, you wind up with bigger problems. You let your dog go, and he's swarmed. So if you have a dominant dog, you may wind up with a dog fight. If you have a fearful dog, you may wind up with a dog fight, or you may wind up more likely with your dog getting bullied. So why would you want to do that? So what you want to do, always take your dog for a walk. Take the other people with those dogs. If your dog has a problem with one particular dog or two particular dogs, see if the owners will go out for a walk with you. And then while you're on the walk, make sure each owner focuses carefully on not letting the dogs get way out ahead of them. And that does not mean that you need to stare at the dog because staring at them is worse than anything. Remember, if you're staring at someone or staring or listening to someone specifically, then they become the leader. They become the one in charge. So if you're all focusing on your dogs and you're telling your dogs in, you know, basically with body position, you're telling your dogs, that they're ahead of you, they're above you, and that you're watching them to see what they're going to do. That's not what you should be doing. You should actually be doing quite the opposite. You look around. Remember Kevin Costner and the bodyguard with the beautiful late um, Whitney Houston? Well, remember how Kevin Costner scanned the crowds, looked around, looked around, looked around. He scanned all over. Where is it? Where am I going? I got to find this guy. I know she's got a death threat. And you see Kevin Costner moving his eyes slowly through the crowd. And he's focused on not her, but he's focused on looking for danger. That is why when you stare at your dog, your dog says to himself, self, this guy is not looking around. I better make sure that there's nothing dangerous because he's not paying attention. And that's why when you stare at your dog, you can look at your dog for a minute but or a few seconds, but don't stare at them because as soon as you start staring at them and your energy is dropping down toward the dog, the dog knows, uh-oh, you're not watching me. That means you're not protecting me. That means I have to probably protect you. And it sounds crazy, but yeah, this is how dogs think. Dogs live in the moment. Dogs think in moments. They think in 10-second increments, like most men. Dogs are not thinking about what they're going to do in 10 minutes. All right. It doesn't mean that when something happens that they don't recognize it, 
because there's absolutely uh, 100% the fact that dogs do get PTSD from certain things, from certain people. So they can have a bad experience, but they're not like humans where they're focused on worrying about it. So when you go into the dog park or you go into the field, before you do that, you should take your dog with the other dog or dogs who are going to be there, who could be an issue, walk them all together and change your position. So put your dog on the left, put your dog on the right, walk toward the other dogs, walk away from the other dogs, walk next to the other dogs, have one dog, let's say dogs A, B, and C. First time you can have dog A out ahead, then bring dog A back to the back, put dog B up to the front of the pack, and then... After he's there for a little bit, bring dog B back behind A, who is now in third place. And then you have dog C. Take dog C and then let him be in charge for a little while. And move them around in position. Change things around. Go backward and forward. So, in other words, go toward, let's say you're going toward the monument. Go toward the monument. Go past the monument. Come back towards the monument. Go past the monument. Do that three times if you can. Habits are made in threes. So if you only do something once, chances are your dog is not going to learn anything from it that you wanted. It's more likely that your dog's going to learn what you don't want. So, for instance, if you say, oh, well, you know, Janice, I, you know, I don't have the time, you know, for my dog. If my dog is reacting to something, I can't, I don't want to go back because I don't have time. Well, then go five minutes earlier for your walk. So that in case something does happen, you're not rushing because rushing is anxiety, is stress. And that can be seen as nervous or weak energy from a dog. So a dog can see if you're nervous when your cortisol, some dogs can just do it naturally. Like we at Merlin's Kids train the dogs to actually do these uh, cortisol detection where they can actually smell cortisol uh, high or low. And then if the dog... Uh, smells that, they'll alert on it and they'll either do depressure, which we call comfort, or another skill that we have trained the dog to do. But many dogs can smell that anyway. Dogs can smell your emotions. They can, I won't say feel it, but they can sense your emotions. So if you're anxious or if you see another big dog and you go, oh my God, that looks like the dog that attacked us two months ago, the other dog can sense your anxiety, but your dog can sense your anxiety. So now your dog looks at you as, "Uh uh-oh, oh my gosh, he can't possibly take care of me because he's so nervous. Let me protect him. So unwittingly, you, some of you, the proverbial you, are creating more problems with behavior than you're ever solving because the dogs that are um, the ones who are potentially the behavioral dogs, behavioral issues, Those dogs tend to be the best dogs in the world because they're smart and they're maybe a little sassy and they're the ones who feel that they want to protect you because they want to take care of you. And if you're not protecting us, then who's protecting us? Well, I guess if I'm the dog, I guess I have to. Remember the Lois Lane comment? Remember when she's plummeting in Hackensack, New Jersey is in danger and peril and oh my gosh, and in a state of emergency, Superman, where are you? So Superman flies through the air, and he comes up, and what does Superman do? He scoops up 
the plummeting Lois Lane, and he says to her, don't worry, Lois, I've got you. And she looks down and she said, you've got me. Who's got you? And that is what dogs think. If you're not focused on your surroundings and you're focusing on the dog, then who's got you? Who's watching you and your dog? And the answer is nobody. And your dog is going to feel that and then have that weighty sense of responsibility of, "Uh uh-oh, I think I'd better probably work on this. I think I'd better do something here and protect my owner. And that's where we get dogs having fights in dog parks or in other locations, even on the street sometimes. So how do we prevent that? Well, the first thing, like I said, is make sure that no matter what you're doing, that you're not always hyper-focused staring at your dog while you're walking. Let your dog know that you are walking and you're providing for his needs and you're also protecting him while you're out there providing. It's not a difficult thing to do, but there is something to be said for making sure that you are looking around like Kevin Costner in The Bodyguard. Just think of the Secret Service that surrounds whatever president we have. Um, And, uh, you know, sometimes maybe we think, well, Secret Service, why don't you all go on break? But anyway, so if let's say Secret Service has a death threat on the president. Does the Secret Service all band around like a herd of elephants with their noses or their trunks facing the president? Of course not, nor do elephants. If there is danger, they put their backs to the whatever they're protecting or whomever they're protecting, and they turn away and they look outward. So every time there's potential danger and you put your dog on the opposite side of you, so you're basically telling your dog in dog language, hey, I'm going to get closer to the dangerous or scary thing than you are. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I'm in charge. I'm your parent. I'm your guardian. I'm the one who takes care of you. It's my job to provide for your needs and to protect you. That's how simple it is. But you have to make sure that you're letting the dog know in dog language, not in people language, It's okay, Fluffy, I've got it. Don't worry about that, knucklehead. I'll take care of it because your dog hears wah, 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 wah. And the dog looks at you like you're crazy and that you can't provide and protect. Therefore, he must have to do it. And that's where fights happen. So how do you prevent that? Well, I've already told you a couple of things. Start out with not getting your dog overly anticipating and um, anticipatory and, and excited about, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to go out. Instead, make sure that your dog knows that, hey, this is just business as usual. We're just going out. We're going to just, you know, do what we do. No need at all to be excited or whatever. And stop talking to your dog and getting them all amped up beforehand. When you're starting to go near the actual gate, if your dog is reacting or there's another dog reacting, don't bring them in. Bring them around the outside. See if you can walk around the perimeter with your dog so he can smell all the other dogs. Remember, dogs can smell people and animals and even for longer distance, but can smell for at least four feet away. So two dogs 
who are four or five feet away. They can smell each other. They don't have to be on top of each other. And if you've got a dog who isn't good with personal introductions, uh, you should come to our one of our training classes because we will definitely help you. But the whole key here is be calm, relax, chill out. Don't get so excited and, and worried and anxious and nervous that something is going to happen because you're going to make it happen. And why, why would you want to make it happen? Don't let it happen. Let the dogs know that, you know, you've got it. Like, I got it, Fluffy. But once we have a situation where two dogs do get into a fight or two dogs do have an issue, you can't just keep putting them out together again because they're, they're, you haven't resolved it. There's still going to be that same whatever uh, set of conditions and circumstances. It's still going to happen. It's still going to be there. So does it make sense to do that? No, of course it doesn't. So... First thing you do, bring your dog out calmly on the leash, walk them around a little bit, even walk them around 10 or 15 minutes before you get to the dog park, just so that he isn't anticipating and crazy, and you'll have a much better situation than you would have had otherwise, because the dog is going to start out calmer. If two dogs have an issue, if you find that they're maybe not getting along as they did when they were puppies, and you know things are a little bit awkward for them, then don't do what you know is going to happen, right? Don't put them out together if you know the same thing is going to happen. Get them out to a walk together. Get them switching back and forth for positions. If somebody does try to lunge or somebody does try to snap, you make sure you put that dog on the outside, not the inside toward the other dog, but on the outside of both the other dog and the human. And the reason we're going to do that is to make sure that the dog understands full well that you're in charge, okay? Hey, buddy, I I got it. Don't worry about it. But you can't just say that because dogs don't understand English. They just don't get what we're saying. And by the fact that we don't speak in the same language as dogs do or other animals do, I think what happens is that people tend to think it doesn't exist. People think like, oh, my dog doesn't understand when I do that. Yeah, well, your dog understands because last time I looked, I will see people and they'll be spelling things. Oh, we don't want to give him, we don't want to say the word, it's C-O-O, that word, or it's T-R-E-A-T. Oh, don't, don't say that word. And I'll say cookie, treat, cookie. What do you mean I can't say cookie? I can say cookie all I want. I can say treat all I want. Treat, 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 cookie, 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 cookie. And I will not have that dog going out and acting like an imbecile because I'll say it so many times. It's the exact same thing as what happens when you see people who are working on a dog and they're sit, 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 sit. Sit, 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 Yeah, that's boring, right? Or the people who go, Fluffy, and then the dog looks at them. They say it again, Fluffy, and the dog looks at them. Why are you calling their name when you're not asking them to do something? If your parents called you, you know, Janie, 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 after a little bit, you're going to be like, I don't know what the heck your problem is, but 
I'm going. I'm going to go play. So keep yourself limited to when you're using your the dog's name should be in a case of emergency, like an ICE number, right, in case of emergency. So if, let's say the dog is getting into something, burrowing down, digging something up, and it's dangerous, you can take, I don't care what you do because you got to get that stopped, but if you have a dog fight and you go in and start screaming and carrying on and yanking and pulling, you're going to wind up both getting hurt. The dog may get hurt. The owners are definitely going to get hurt because you're amping them up and that excitement is leading to this dominant behavior session of humping, jumping, barking, growling, blocking, and bumping. And so all of these things that the dog is doing are things that the dog, we first of all don't want the dog to do, but the dog is getting that reinforcement for it. Because as soon as you start losing your cookies and start talk, 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 the dog is like, oh, wait a minute, I, I, what, what was the question? And you're basically teaching your dogs to be psycho, <laughs> to be confused, to not want to follow through, uh, to not follow you, um, to not listen to what you say or to what your you know, family members might say. So it is really, really important that we always make sure that every single time we leave the house, we're calm. Same thing comes to when we start crossing streets or whatever. Keep your dog calm. If you want to do a sit with him, I don't care. That's fine. But make sure you don't give him 10,000 obedience commands. Let him figure things out for himself. If you're always having to tell a dog or a person, but if you're always telling to, having to tell a person or a dog whatever the command is, then you didn't do a good job of teaching them. Because if somebody teaches you how to spell your name and now you're in eighth or ninth grade, we would assume you've learned, for the most part, most people have learned to write their name. If you can't write your name and that is difficult, right, then how do you expect your dog to follow what you're doing? You have to make sure that you, no matter what's happening, are basically writing the name for that dog. You've got to tell them, this is how we spell this name. This is what we do. Same as you would do as a child. Nope, honey, that's not the right way to spell it. Good job. You almost got it. And then let your child or the dog problem solve. Problem solving is very underestimated. Let the dog figure it out. You don't have to give everything all the time. It's okay for sometimes to be able to just, you know, let the dog relax and veg out, and that's fine. It's not that you're not permitted or allowed to do that. Of course you can do that. But just stop attaching it to food when you're trying to get the dog outside because food and can be, you know, especially if a dog is bone or toy or dog or uh, food aggressive, and you've got food in your pocket, the trigger is coming with you and he's constantly being reinforced and rewarded for all the work that um, he thinks he needs to do. We don't want that. We want him to be able to come in, get his hair cut, get his nails clipped or done, whatever you have to do, and then somebody else will come in and finish up. But if you aren't going to put the time in for your dog and if you're going to just take the dog to a dog park, 
try to have and see if there's somebody in the family who might be better. Sometimes one person is a little better or easier or more competent. And it's not an intelligence thing. It's not a college thing. It's just making sure that no matter what happens, that you have um, a good group of people and your and your family members are going to help you so that you can uh, teach this dog. Because you also don't want to just make it where you're the only one who can control the dog, right? You want to be able to have other people potentially walk the dog or hold the dog or things like that. And if you're not going to be able to do that, then uh, to me it sounds like you got a problem. So first thing is put the dog on the leash. Walk them with other dogs. If you can't walk them with other dogs, and walk your dog for a little bit beforehand. By doing that and by being careful, you're going to have a much easier time of, um, of working, um, getting your dog in a good mindset because he's not going to be all amped up already. You have to think about that. Like, why are you amping your dog up? Does it make any sense at all? To get your dog excited so that once he's excited now, like, you're kind of stuck, right? So don't do that. Um, So I think basically for what we're trying to do is understand why dogs do what they do, understand how to prevent having a dog fight because your dog's, you know, amped up already or other people's dogs are amped up. So, again... Do that. Work on that. It's in my book, Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101. I've written a bunch of books. That's probably the best one for everybody, and it'll be on animal behavior. It's a cool book, and it's only 10 bucks on Amazon. So you can get it anytime, and you can upload it onto your Kindle or any basic um you know, device, any kind of electronic device from a a phone to probably a watch to a Kindle to a computer. So it's pretty easy to find. And you just plug in if you want your Android or if you want your your Mac PC. uh, So anyway, let's make sure that whenever you are uh, doing things um, that you are... um, going to be able to get all of those dogs getting along outside the dog park before you start inside the dog park. Otherwise, you're going to have craziness. So anytime you you think about it, remember, take it back to the simplest time that works well. And if you're able to, then take those dogs for a walk together, get them to be friends. Even if you don't wind up in the dog park every day, at least you're socializing them. You're getting them into much better frame of mind so that they're going to be able to uh, be a better pack of dogs together and better individually. And we will be right back and we'll start in a moment with Shelter Dog the Service Dog. And thank you for coming back. It's, uh, it's always good to have the from shelter dog service dog aspect on here. And today we're going to be focusing on not just generalities, but we're actually working on a wonderful dog we have. 
His name is Rocky, and we have this wonderful group of um, dogs that we're trying to find a good home for. Now, these are not program dogs. These are not our dogs, but they're what we call courtesy posts. So a courtesy post is when we tell you about dogs who are available, and we're going to do this every week. Next week, we're going to have a guest um, for Shelter Dog to Service Dog, and we will probably have one the next weekend as well. So, of course, because Friday is the beginning of a wonderful weekend. So we're going to focus on two dogs today. There's one that is a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and he is four years old. He is good with people. He's really good with kids. Um, but he could be a little wonky with dogs, but not bad. Nothing that, you know, anybody who's paying attention to the show wouldn't be able to help. Um, he is in New Jersey. And he is named Loki, L-O-K-I. So if anybody knows anybody who's looking for a really nice four-year-old, young male, healthy, up-to-date on shots, neutered, the whole thing, um, if anybody's looking for a dog like that, please let us know. You can reach us actually at, um, well, I guess we'll give you, um, the email address um, in a minute after the second one. Um, but Loki is the four-year-old male Rhodesian Ridgeback. Um, he does have a ridge. He is a purebred. I do not believe anyone is going to get the papers with it, but he is a very nice dog and would do great in a home with somebody who knows how to handle a very confident dog. Um, he is also quite protective in the home, but that being said, he lives or has lived with about nine or ten different little kids, and I mean little kids from baby, you know, infants, newborns, all the way up to teenagers, so he's very good with that, and I think if he's got a little bit more of a, um, a strong um, person who can help out, I think that's going to be great for him, so you can actually reach out for all of us and um, any of us, and we'll be happy to help you. So we'll give you, um, actually, I'll give you the Merlin's Kids dot executive director. Even though it's not a Merlin's Kids dog, you can use this email address, um, Merlin's Kids, M-E-R-L-I-N-S-K-I-D-S dot executive director at gmail.com. So that will give you um, an opportunity to have this wonderful dog. We have had several people already interested, uh, one in California, two in Florida, uh, one in New York. But we'd like to try to keep him somewhat local within maybe two or so hours of New York, New Jersey area. So that in case you need help, um, I will be happy to help you personally. So if you want to get over there and uh, get a great dog and meet me and have me help you free of charge so that this sweet dog can start out his new wonderful forever home. We would love that, and it may be great for you as well. The second dog we're looking at, again, this is a personal uh, help helping somebody who has a dog. dog is named Rocky. Rocky is probably about four or five years old, uh, very sweet. Um, he is great with other dogs, loves, loves, loves dogs. Um, he's great with literally 99% of people. 
Um, he is a wonderful boy. Um, he's not so big. He's probably about 45 pounds, 50 absolute tops, but probably more like 45. Very, very loving. He has a lot of skills and tasks that he knows how to do. And he could be a very helpful um, kind of protector dog in a way, not that he's going to go you know, eat somebody who comes in the house or anything, but he is very bonded to his owner. He's so sweet, and he loves to be petted. He loves to be snuggled. Um, he was in a family who was wonderful, but uh, one of the children had some pretty significant psychiatric issues, and it was a lot for him. So he really, uh, I don't think, did as well as he would have if that situation had been a little different. And so Rocky is also neutered. He's up to date, short hair. He kind of looks like he could have a little ridge back, but he's definitely got boxer because he's got the little, not really brachiocephalic, but he's definitely got the uh, undershot jaw, and so he's got the little teeth on the bottom that kind of his bottom jaw kind of makes him look like he's smiling. If he looks up, he's adorable. He's very good in the house. He's completely housebroken. He's trained. Um, He doesn't really do a whole lot wrong, and he's happy going for a walk. He loves going for a walk. He would be equally happy laying on the floor at your feet. Um, He could also be on the couch because he's very sweet, but you do, again, with both of these dogs or any dog, you need to be setting rules and boundaries. So the first two months, and now we're going to segue, the first two months that you have a new dog coming into your life, that's the honeymoon period. It's the same thing as when people are dating and they're on their best behavior They're on their best behavior until what? Until literally two months, and then all of a sudden, what happens? It's crazy. All of a sudden, at two months, these dogs start taking advantage, and they start looking around, and they start focusing on other things, and they start maybe not listening, and if you don't continue with those rules and the consistency, Reading my book, Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101, which is on Amazon. And if you're not following the book and if you don't kind of set the rules and boundaries and teach the dog, what winds up happening is you have a dog with a behavioral issue. So prevent it. And again, Rocky is in New Jersey. And anybody who wants to come and meet him and if you decide that you really love him, Again, I will give a free behavioral session with either of the dogs, Loki or Rocky, and either of them would make great pets um, for somebody who has a clue of how to take care of dogs. I would not recommend either for a first-time dog owner, but if you come from a German Shepherd background, uh, they're going to be way easier than that, or Huskies or Rotties or Dobies or anything that's a little bit tougher um, to handle for a first-time dog owner, you're going to have the best dog in the world. And both of them are very good dogs, very sweet. So you just got a puppy. Great. You just got an adult dog. Great. You just rescued. Hey, thank you so much for doing that. We love rescues. So now what do you do? 
All right. Well, now this is where fun begins. The first thing you do when you get a dog after you get home, right, before you walk through your front door, walk around the neighborhood a little bit with that dog, just a little bit. Don't let everybody pat him. Just walk around the neighborhood for a nice, quiet walk. What does that teach the dog? Well, it actually teaches the dog that you are providing and protecting because you're walking him, which means that you're hunting for food, and it means you're providing for his needs, but you're also protecting him while you're hunting for his food and walking around. So from the very beginning, your dog starts looking at you as like, oh, oh, I get it. Okay, so I'm not in charge. Well, that's what we want, right? We want the dog to know that, hey, you're not in charge. You don't need to do this. You don't need to be providing for me. I'm providing for you. You don't need to be protecting me because I'm protecting you, Kevin Costner in the bodyguard. And you don't even have to tell the dog that because guess what? He'd hear wah, 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 wah. Dogs do not hear or understand on, on what that means if you start yabbering at the dog. They're not going to understand unless you physically do things. Now, when I say physically, that does not mean that you are hitting a dog, yanking a dog, choking a dog, squirting a dog, all those things. That, that's crazy, and it's horrible, and it's abusive. If you say to me, like, hey, Janice, you know, my dog is being a jerk, so I yelled at him and I kicked him. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that do, right? Does that help anybody? Does that make anything better? No, it doesn't make anything better. All it does is prove that you're abusive to your animal. I don't want you to do that. What I do want you to do is to try your best to come up with an energy, figure out what you've got to do that you can be calm, that you can act confidently, that you can be responsible, and that you're not going to feel badly about it later. Because I do see that a fair amount where people say, oh, I was so upset. My, you know, my dog was, um, you know, was, was kind of acting like an idiot and I, I hit him or I threw something at him and now he seems scared of me. Well, two wrongs don't make a right, right? So don't be at the point where, you know, you're afraid to do something with the dog. But what you do need to do is make sure that the dog is, going to be responsibly um, respecting you and is not going to be blowing you off. And if you're not going to do things like in my book, Happens, S-H-H-H Happens, Dog Behavior 101, what may happen is you might actually wind up having a dog with behavioral issue. So anytime you get a new dog, now this is not the same if you're getting a newborn puppy, okay? That is not going to be the same. But it is going to mean that when you bring any dog home, you have to be consistent. And puppies, again, it's not that you, you know, absolutely can't do certain things. It's that you have to be careful not to be confusing. And so many times I see that people are just unsure, so they're trying this and trying that. And, oh, look, the dog training, you know, group. The, the the secret of a perfect dog, you know, support pets, whatever, all these, these things. 
these are not even, most of them are not even anybody in this country and nobody with expertise because I have read some of these things and I look at, they can't even spell it right. They don't have the right grammar. It's improperly translated. They're just trying to catch you and get you, you know, to click on things so they can make money by, by clickbait. They're not even looking to help your dog. I am looking to help your dog. My team is looking to help your dog and to help every dog out there so that they're able to do great things. They're able to be calm and confident. They're able to do fun things like going in the car with you, going maybe to a restaurant sitting outside with you, uh, going to a parade, going to a park, all of those things. But it's not going to be super helpful if you end up um, not teaching the, the animal what the animal needs to do. So, you know, you teach them from the beginning. Hey, we don't bark at strangers. Hey, you know, we don't drag our owner up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, so it's, it's really, really important always to remember that whatever you teach the dog at the beginning is what you're going to have at the end. So if you're training your puppy and you're just training him to sit for a cookie, well, that's lovely, but wouldn't it be better to teach him that he, instead of, you know, oh, you sit and you get a cookie, why don't we just teach him, hey, let's not jump. Okay, let's not jump on people. Oh, okay. So you can teach all of those things in a different way, but not basically ruin um, their behavioral um, health, because that, I think, is a big part, too, People don't understand that, you know, you can ruin a dog. It's, it, I've seen people ruin a dog to where it's extremely, extremely difficult for even me to fix the dog because the dog maybe loses trust in you. The dog doesn't understand. The dog feels confused by what you're teaching. So if at all possible, please do try to teach your animals from the beginning when they get into your house, hey, this is what we do, and this is what's allowed, and this is what's not allowed. But not, you know, figuring it out as you go, because by doing that, you're just confusing everybody, and especially the dog. And most dogs are better than most people. So the way I look at it is, you know, if you are, um, you know, um, trying to uh, perhaps, uh, figure something out for the dogs that let's say you're trying to figure out, oh, how should I feed them? I'm going to feed them with a puzzle bowl. These puzzle bowls are really not a great thing. If you have, and I'm going to go through that very briefly today, if you have a dog who needs a puzzle bowl, I saw a boxer female, beautiful dog, rip her nostril almost completely open. And the reason she did that is that she was actually um, – eating out of a puzzle bowl, and because, you know, obviously that you're eating from a puzzle bowl because you're looking to slow your dog down, but what you're also not realizing is when a dog eats out of one of those bowls, it's using its tongue to eat instead of using its mouth to eat. Now, so it's basically using its tongue like a straw and sucking up that food out of that bowl, but because the bowl has little areas, little labyrinths, if you would, and little channels there, 
the dog is inhaling a lot of air and that air goes right down the into the stomach and it can really exacerbate or even cause um, bloat, which is a gastric torsion. It's a torsion or a twisting of the stomach uh, or the intestines. And it basically the stomach and or intestines flip over on themselves and start to strangulate. That is a surgical emergency. It's very, very, very dangerous. So, um, you know, the key is instead of doing a puzzle bowl, there are a lot of things you can do. One of them is take, let's say your dog is getting two cups a day um, or two cups twice a day. So now you have two cups of food that he has to have. So two cups of food and now instead of throwing two cups of food into this puzzle bowl contraption and your dog potentially hurting himself or sucking in air and bloating um, or being very gassy and having pain, instead of doing that, get a nice flat pie plate type of a thing. Like get a metal pie plate or a, a puppy feeding bowl. They're, they're flat and low. Put a little bit of water in it because that'll slow them down. Not don't, you know, don't put like 10 gallons of water in it, but put maybe you know, on, on two cups of food, um, you could try this and put maybe about a quarter of a cup of water so that as the dog eats it, it's also got to slow down to drink. Um, a lot of dogs will eat too fast and then they'll vomit. So we don't want your dog vomiting, right? We want your dog just kind of chilling out and not having a big issue with anything. So um, have your dog do that um, with this big flat pie plate type of bowl. The other thing you can even use is a baking dish. Um, you know, the long things you'd make a thing of lasagna. Just make it a bigger bowl, a bigger dish, and you can do that. Now, a second thing, which I like even better than that, is take, let's say your dog's getting two cups of food, which is a lot. That should be like for a 100-pound dog. Um, take the food, and instead of giving two cups right away, give a half a cup in a regular bowl, like a, the one we, I was just talking about in a flat bowl, and put the food in. Let him eat it. Then pick up his bowl, go and uh, get the bowl and fill the bowl with another half of a cup of the food. So you're doing a quarter, a quarter, a quarter, a quarter. Do that four times. So what happens is now, instead of the dog going, oh, my God, I have to eat it all, before it disappears, he said, oh, you're going to go get me more? So psychologically, and, and this is a really handy exercise also in case your dog is not good about having people go near him when he's eating, wait till he walks away, or you can even try to bring the food uh, and put the food in and then walk away. And you can put it in, the, in his bowl and say, okay, and walk away. Don't make him sit. Don't make him lie down. Don't make a, a fuss about it. Just here you go. And what's going to happen is, he's going to start realizing that, oh, okay, I don't actually have to do a whole lot of uh, growling and being upset about things because, you know, all I have to do is, is uh, you know, just, just wait because my owner is going to come bring me more food. And this is a great thing for dog who, dogs who have food issues who end up having, you know, these problems because they're, like, getting very... Uh, confused or upset um, because they're gobbling it all down and half the time they're even vomiting it back up or they're, you know, eating some of it and then they get sick um, or they have diarrhea or they're gassy 
or they're choking, you know, it that is not super great for a dog anyway. So that's why I tell everybody the best way to do it for all of us, the best way to do it is split the dog's food into four sections. And especially if you're giving just kibble or something like that, put, you know, a quarter of the amount down, quarter of the amount down, quarter of the amount down, quarter of the amount down. And then you'll start seeing that your dog will slow down because he knows, oh, I'm not having to fight for the food. As a matter of fact, this is a buffet. It's a family-style buffet. You just keep bringing more out. Well, what am I going to get upset about? Why am I going to gobble it all down so quickly? Or why am I going to fight over it? I don't need to fight over it. There's going to be more and more and more. It's the same thing as when you go to some of these family-style restaurants where they just bring trays of food around and they keep bringing trays of food around more and more and more. And, you know, the first time you, you start going to one of those restaurants, you you fill your plates up to the top. But by the time, you know, a few days later, you're like, well, why am I going to keep filling my plate up when they're going to keep giving me more food? And you'll find that the same thing will hold true with your dogs. And it's a great way to fix the dogs, and it's a great way also to teach the dogs to focus on you, that you're coming back and that you're doing the feeding. You're doing that providing and protecting. You're feeding the dogs. You're making sure that, you know, they're able to um, have enough or more than enough. And it's a really, you know, nice and very, very cool way to, uh, you know, make a dog happy and Make them not worry anymore. You know, you have to think like a dog and think like, how is your dog taking this when he's gobbling food and you're giving him a puzzle bowl? What does he think? He's like, my God, well, I just want to eat. I'm trying to gobble my food down. And what are you sticking it in this for? And I've also seen a lot of dogs who will flip the puzzle bowl because they figure it out and they're like, this is, this is stupid. So split the food into multiple feedings each time you're feeding. Um, and do it. And after you'll see, after a few days, all of a sudden, your dog is going to be like, oh, wow, okay. So I don't really have to, you know, eat and gobble it all down so quickly. So, you know, unfortunately, I'm looking at the time and you know what happened. It's almost time to go. I'm so excited to have been with you guys again on yet another Friday. So happy. I also do want to tell everybody, make sure that you do have um, a lot of fresh, clean water, even at this time of year. Um, do not, if your dogs are drinking water outside, please make sure not to leave the bowl outside so animals can urinate or defecate or especially birds can fly over and they have wonderful aim or animals drinking out of it and then your dog goes and has something. Please be really aware of water being left out um, especially this time of year when it's already a little bit wet out. All right. Well, we've unfortunately got to go. I will see everyone next week. If you're interested in Loki or Rocky, please reach out to me either via bbsradio.com or at merlinskids.executivedirector at gmail.com. And if you do need a service dog or you need your dog trained, we do both, and we're happy to help. We'll fight for you. We'll fight for right. And we'll always be there and give you the best advice possible. Have a great weekend. Take care.